Good morning everyone. On this Remembrance Sunday, we begin our service today with a short moment of silence and we reflect on all who have given their lives so selflessly in service of others in two world wars, in countless conflicts. And this year we especially want to include in our remembering those who have given of themselves in that battle against that invisible enemy of COVID-19 and all who have lost their lives to that in past months. Perhaps wherever you are now, you want to take this moment of collective silence as an act of remembrance, as we hear those well-known words owed to the fallen. They shall not grow old as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them. When you go home, tell them of us and say, for their tomorrow we give our today. We now come to worship God with some words from Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who've set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of tears, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Let us come before God in prayer. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks this day for your faithfulness to your people in every land and age, for your presence with us in the dark days that we faced in the past and are facing now. And we come to lift our thoughts to you in praise. We praise you that no matter what challenge lies before us, you have promised to be with us. On this day, when we remember the self-sacrifice of others, we give thanks once again for your supreme giving of yourself for us in Jesus Christ. Thank you for his sacrifice to end all sacrifices to take away the sins and the guilt of this broken world and to bring us peace. We acknowledge, Lord, that we have not walked the paths that lead to peace. We have hated our neighbours. We've kept hold of the prejudices and assumptions that belittle others and foment division. In our thoughts, our words and our actions, we've been selfish and unfeeling towards the needs of others. When we've seen injustice and deceit in action, we have been silent. Rather than being peacemakers, we've erred against one another and against you. Help us, Lord, to be the people that you have called us to be. Forgive us for our sin, which we confess before you, trusting in your mercy and your forgiveness. 
and your compassion and grace. Eternal God, your mercy renews and refreshes us. We give you thanks and praise that we are new people, entrusted to bring your peace, a peace that passes all understanding, to all of those we encounter. Lord, send your Holy Spirit to be upon us and to fill us and to bless and equip us for this holy purpose and task. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our Bible reading this morning is taken from 1 Kings chapter 19 and we're reading verses 3 through to 15. Let us hear the word of God. Elijah was afraid, so he ran for his life. He came to Beersheba in Judah. He left his servant there. Then he travelled for one day into the desert. He came to a small bush. He sat down under it. He prayed that he would die. Lord, I've had enough, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my people of long ago. Then he lay down under the bush and he fell asleep. Suddenly an angel touched him. The angel said, get up and eat. Elijah looked around. Near his head he saw some bread. It had been baked over hot coals. A jar of water was also there. So Elijah ate and drank. Then he lay down again. The angel of the Lord came to him a second time. He touched him and said, Get up and eat. Your journey will be long and hard. So he got up. He ate and drank. The food gave him new strength. He travelled for 40 days and 40 nights. He kept going until he arrived at Horeb. It was the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. A message came to Elijah from the Lord. He said, Elijah, what are you doing here? He replied, Lord God, who rules over all, I've been very committed to you. The Israelites have turned their backs on your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've put your prophets to death with their swords. I am the only one left, and they're trying to kill me. The Lord said, Go out, stand on the mountain in front of me. I'm going to pass by. As the Lord approached, a very powerful wind tore the mountains apart. It broke up the rocks, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire came, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, there was only a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his coat over his face. He went out and stood at the entrance to the cave. Then a voice said to him, Elijah, what are you doing here? He replied, Lord God, who rules over all, I've been very committed to you. The Israelites have turned their backs on your, on your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've put your prophets to death with their swords. I'm the only one left and they're trying to kill me. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hatziel 
as king over Aram. And may God bless to us this reading of his word. When was the last time you had a barbecue? I think we had one or two over the summer, just family. And I have to confess that I'm not the best when it comes to getting the barbecue lit. I go through countless matches, fire lighters, bottles of lighter fluid, paper, and all the time keeping an eye on the clouds. Is it going to rain? Is the rain going to stay off long enough for me to get this lit? The best person I know actually for getting barbecues going is Winston, who comes along each year to look after our McCracken Youth Barbecue in the Mance Garden. Even if there's a wee bit of rain, you can be sure that Winston will get the barbecue going quickly. Now to set the context of our Bible reading today, we're beginning with something of a barbecue. An epic mountaintop barbecue with a beefsteak on the menu. Actually, there were two barbecues to be precise. One had been prepared by 450 prophets of the pagan god Baal, while the other had been set up by a single man called Elijah. A bit like me, the prophets of Baal tried and failed to get their barbecue lit. They cut themselves, they prayed in a frenzied manner, but to no avail. They couldn't get Baal to burn their fire. Elijah, on the other hand, had no such problems even when he poured water over his power. Because the living God, the Lord, was on his side and far from heaven was there to help him. Now Baal was the god <coughs> worshipped by the Phoenicians, whose cultural, commercial, religious city was Tyre, a city that's still there today, jutting a little bit out into the sea on the coast of southern Lebanon. When I checked it out in Google Earth, I noticed the ancient ruins were, were just a block away from Starbucks. Now worship of Baal, specifically the god Melkart, who was worshipped by people of that city of Tyre had crept into Israelite religious life and at that time was being promoted by Israel's king Ahab and his wife Jezebel who was the daughter of the king of Tyre. But not all the population of Israel went along with this idolatry. There were still those who were faithful to the Lord and who didn't tolerate any compromise with Baal worship. And Jezebel was set on a crusade to eliminate this group. And it's against this backdrop that the prophet Elijah steps onto the stage, throwing down the gauntlet to the god Baal. The first thing he did was to declare that there'd be no more rain until the Lord said so. Because this god from Tyre was especially known as the god of rain and thunder. And so Elijah bravely said that there'd be no more rain until the Lord said so. And so it was that there was drought for three years. Now after three years, Elijah sets up this challenge to the prophets of Baal at Mount Carmel, on the border between Israel and Phoenicia, right on Baal's own patch, because it took place on the Phoenician side of the mountain. Before the great contest, Elijah utters the famous words, How long will you go limping with two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. 
and each of the parties set up their power. The prophets of Baal using wood, but Elijah setting up a stone altar for his offering to the Lord. And of course, the Lord, Yahweh, alone is seen as the God who sends fire from heaven to consume the offering. The prophets of Baal, when they were humiliated, and all the people cried, Yahweh alone is God. It reads as a great story. Elijah, the hero, standing up to 450 prophets of Baal, calling down fire from heaven, watching afterwards as God brings a rainstorm after years of drought and famine. Not only that, but we read that he ran 70 miles ahead of a chariot. He received a death threat from a very angry Queen Jezebel, meaning that he had to flee about 100 miles right away down south to the edge of the Negev desert, where he found himself completely alone from the heights of drama to sheer silence. This had been the most intense experience of Elijah's life. A period of high drama, the intensity of which very few people would ever experience the likes of in their lives. And then suddenly there's this come down, this very human account of what seems like a very dark and deep depression that descends over Elijah right there in the silence of the wilderness. You can just imagine Elijah's exhaustion, physical, mental, spiritual exhaustion. He's just finished giving out so much of himself. The experience of what he's been through has been just so intense that now it all catches up with him. Isn't the Bible a wonderfully honest book? We read of those miraculous, extraordinary happenings and yet alongside them are the stories of very ordinary human beings. The Bible doesn't try to conceal that humanity or to gloss over it. <clears throat> it recognises that, that human beings have their limits. I've had enough, Elijah says to God. I want to die. Elijah is in a mess. But look what God does, how God treats Elijah. It begins with very practical things like rest and sleep. Then God supplies him with food. An angel, a messenger of God, touched him, waking him from his sleep, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. Was this a heavenly messenger or an earthly one? Well, we don't know. But it was God who was caring for Elijah. And after he ate and drank, he then rested again. And God then takes him to a very special place, Mount Sinai, the same place where God met Moses and gave him the Ten Commandments. The confirming of God's covenant relationship of love and faithfulness to his people, Israel. And standing there in that place, Elijah would no doubt have been reminded of God's promises and of God's past faithfulness. O God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. And then in that place, Elijah takes time to listen for the voice of God. When there occurred a violent wind, he thought, well, maybe this is it. But there was no voice of God in the wind. 
Then, on another occasion, an earthquake, but God's voice didn't come through the earthquake either. Or a ravaging brush fire, but eventually, in the gentlest of whispers, God speaks. After all of that spectacular drama, all of that intensity of experience on Mount Carmel, this is how God reveals himself to Elijah now, in a gentle whisper. And as he's recovered and renewed, perhaps even as part of his recovery, God has a new task for Elijah, a new purpose for him, new direction. This prophet is not done and out yet. He's still useful to God and cared for by God. This story today maybe prompts us to think a little bit about depression. I explained last week that we're doing a little series at the moment looking at Bible stories which help us just to touch on some issues around the subject of mental health. But as I was thinking about this earlier in the week, I happened to overhear on the radio a bit about soldiers suffering from post-traumatic stress syndrome, which after the First and Second World Wars would probably have been called shell shock, but now is referred to as PTSD. And just listening to some of those experiences seem to have a lot of similarities to the reaction of Elijah after that very intense, very traumatic period in his life. Hearing how one veteran soldier would take himself off for a few days at a time into the mountains, into the wilderness, just to clear his head, to gain a new perspective. On this Remembrance Sunday, as we remember those who bravely and selflessly put themselves in the path of danger and all kinds of very traumatic experiences and crises. We remember all who still live with that trauma, mental or physical, in all its different manifestations. But while depression and other symptoms are are sometimes triggered by that kind of trauma, a a one-off event maybe, or crisis, for a lot of other people it might be be other things that are the cause of their depression. Maybe long-term unhelpful thought patterns, or maybe the roots are in physical illness and chronic pain. Sometimes too it might have a spiritual cause, such as a struggling to accept forgiveness. Maybe simply a genetic chemical imbalance in the brain. Most people never know the cause of their depression. And it's unlikely that for any two people suffering with depression, the cause is the same. But this is not just feeling down or fed up. Everybody has ups and downs in life, and that's normal, and and, and most people recover quite quickly. But true depression doctor says having a a low mood and other symptoms, sometimes physical symptoms, for at least two weeks. And these symptoms might interfere with normal day-to-day activities. There'd be low mood, there'd be little enjoyment, there'd be low energy. It might be difficult to sleep, or you might sleep more than normal, and appetite might be affected as well. And just like Elijah seemed to experience, depression might cause negative thoughts, including false feelings of guilt or helplessness or, or, or hopelessness. But here I think our church community can be important and our faith is important. 
because we know that God offers alternatives to those negative thought patterns. God does offer us his forgiveness and he wants to assure us of his love and his care and his acceptance. He gives us hope and he gives us purpose. But saying that, it's very, very hard sometimes when you are depressed to believe that and to really feel it. Whenever you can't pray, whenever you can't read the Bible. But you know, other Christians can help us to know that God cares for us, that we are loved, that we are accepted, just like God looked after Elijah. Uh, Not by saying, pull yourself together, Elijah, but by caring for him practically looking after his needs through very simple things like rest and the right food, reminding him of his faithfulness in the past and his promise to be faithful in the future, gently encouraging Elijah back on nice path again. So even in lockdown, there are very simple things that we can do for one another, like phone calls, a listening ear, practical help and support. You don't need to be an expert to do those things. But some people will need more than that. Some people will need more professional help, maybe counselling to help address some of those negative thought patterns. Sometimes medication from the doctor can make all the difference in balancing those chemicals in the brain just to allow us to feel better and to get on with everyday life again. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. May God meet you in your wilderness, whatever that may be. And may he give you comfort and peace. May he remind you of his faithfulness and his mercies that are new every morning. May he lift you up to set your feet back on the rock as he works deep within you to reveal to you more and more of who he is. Amen. Let us now come before God with our prayers for one another and for our world. Let's pray. Eternal God, the shepherd of our souls, the giver of life everlasting, whose love restores the brokenhearted of this world, pour out your love, we pray, upon those who feel lonely and abandoned or unloved. Strengthen their hope to meet the days ahead. Give them the courage to form life-giving friendships and bless them with the joy of your eternal peace. We come this day in remembrance and prayerful witness to the courage, to the self-sacrifice, to the devotion to duty of those who have given of themselves in service to others. We remember those who've lost their lives in conflict, and the grieving families and friends they left behind. We remember also those who came home, but who lost something of themselves on the battlefields. Those who lost limb, or reason, or sense of self. Lord, we pray that your comfort will be known by all who have seen the realities and dangers of war. Ease the pain of those who grieve. Bring renewal to those whose health in body or mind has been diminished. 
We pray for members of our armed forces and their families, for chaplains and their families. Lord, grant them safety in the fulfilment of their duties. Defend them as they face dangers and challenges of many kinds. And grant to them all wisdom and courage as they work for peace and justice in our lifetimes. We remember those who faced and continue to face significant challenge at home. For families torn apart by war, for those forced to leave the familiar and seek safety and refuge elsewhere, for those whose homes have been destroyed or who cannot return due to dangers caused by conflict. We pray for lands where neighbours have become enemies, where brothers have picked up weapons against one another, and we seek your reconciliation and peace. We give you thanks for the times and places where we can see seeds of peace growing. We pray for those who have never known war, and we plead that this will long continue. Lord, grant a a love of peace to our young people, that they will make choices that lead to peace and harmony. We pray, Lord, at this time for our NHS workers and other essential workers on the front line against COVID. Protect them in the dangers that they face from day to day. Keep them strong, resilient, resourced and healthy as they sometimes face such difficult situations. We pray too for the many people who have already lost loved ones to this disease. Lord, ease their pain and walk closely with them as they work through their grief and their loss. We pray these things in and through the name of Christ. Amen. And now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will surely do it. May the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son and Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you this day and forevermore. Amen.